Welcome to Dreamful Podcast, bedtime stories for slumber. I would like to start with this episode by thanking our newest Patreon supporters, Peter Takak and Donna Gray. Thank you both so much, and I hope you have the sweetest of dreams. If you find value in Dreamful and would also like to contribute to the show, please visit dreamfulstories.com where you can find info about the show and on the support page, there's a link to leave a one-time donation with PayPal, get bonus episodes synced to Spotify with Supercast, or become a Patreon subscriber for bonus episodes and other perks. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Why is it that whenever we're in a bad mood or feeling frustrated, that's when things seem to get worse? A zipper is stuck, keys get locked in the house, headphones are a tangled mess, you know, things like that. And the more frustrated we become, the seemingly harder the issue is to solve. Believe it or not, a therapist can help reduce these kinds of occurrences. Before therapy, I would constantly have small inconveniences that would quickly grow into day-ruining problems because I was too stuck in a negative mindset to see any solution. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com dreamful today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash dreamful. This episode is a story that was sent in by Amy, and she thought it was a lovely little fairy tale that you all would enjoy. And I have to agree with her. Here is the story of the white cat. So, snuggle up in your blankets and have sweet dreams. There was once a king who had three sons, all remarkably handsome in their persons and in their tempers, brave and noble. Some wicked courtiers made the king believe that the princes were impatient to wear the crown and that they were contriving a plot to deprive him of his scepter and his kingdom. The king felt he was growing old, but as he found himself as capable of governing as he had ever been, he had no inclination to resign his power, and therefore, that he might pass the rest of his days peaceably, 
he determined to employ the princes in such a manner as at once to give each of them the hope of succeeding to the crown and fill up the time they might otherwise spend in so undutiful a manner. He sent for them to his cabinet and after conversing with them kindly, he added, You must be sensible, my dear children, that my great age prevents me from attending so closely as I have hitherto done to state affairs. I fear this may be injurious to my subjects. I therefore desire to place my crown on the head of one of you. But it is no more than just that in return for such a present you should procure me some amusement in my retirement before I leave the capital forever. I cannot help thinking that a little dog that is handsome, faithful, and engaging would be the very thing to make me happy so that without bestowing a preference on either of you I declare that he who brings me the most perfect little dog shall be my successor. The princes were very much surprised at the fancy of their father to have a little dog yet they accepted the proposition with pleasure and accordingly, after taking leave of the king, who presented them with abundance of money and jewels, and appointed that day twelve months for their return, they set off on their travels. Before taking leave of each other, however, they took some refreshment together in an old palace about three miles out of town where they agreed to meet in the same place on that day, twelve month, and go all together with their presence to the court. They also agreed to change their names, that they might be unknown to everyone on their travels. Each took a different road, but it is intended to relate the adventures of only the youngest who was the handsomest, most amiable, and accomplished prince that had ever been seen. No day passed as he traveled from town to town that he did not buy all the handsome dogs that fell in his way, and as soon as he saw one that was handsomer than those he had before, he made a present of the last for twenty servants would have been scarcely sufficient to take care of all the dogs he was continually buying. At length, wandering he knew not whither, he found himself in a forest. Night suddenly came on, and with it a violent storm of thunder, lightning, and rain. To add to his perplexity, he lost his path and could find no way out of the forest. 
after he had groped about for a long time, he perceived a light, which made him suppose that he was not far from some house. He accordingly pursued his way towards it, and in a short time, found himself at the gates of the most magnificent palace he ever beheld. The door that opened into it was made of gold, covered with sapphire stones, which cast so resplendent a brightness over everything around that scarcely could the strongest eyesight bear to look at it. This was the light the prince had seen in the forest. The walls of the building were of transparent porcelain, variously colored, and represented the history of all the fairies that had existed from the beginning of the world. The prince, coming back to the golden door, observed a deer's foot fastened to a chain of diamonds. He could not help wondering at the magnificence he beheld and the security in which the inhabitants seemed to live. For, said he to himself, nothing can be easier than for thieves to steal this chain and as many of the sapphire stones as would make their fortunes. He pulled the chain and heard a bell the sound of which was exquisite. In a few moments, the door was opened, but he perceived nothing but twelve hands in the air, each holding a torch. The prince was so astonished that he dared not move a step when he felt himself gently pushed on by some other hands from behind him. He walked on in great perplexity till he entered a vestibule inlaid with porphyry and lapis stone. There, the most melodious voice he had ever heard chanted the following words. Welcome, Prince. No danger fear. Mirth and love attend you here. You shall break the magic spell that on a beauteous lady fell. Welcome, Prince. No danger fear. Mirth and love attend you here. The Prince now advanced with confidence, wondering what these words could mean. The hands moved him forward towards a large door of coral which opened itself to give him admittance into a splendid apartment built of mother of pearl through which he passed into others so richly adorned with paintings and jewels and so resplendently lighted with thousands of lamps, girandoles and lusters that the prince imagined he must be in an enchanted palace. When he had passed through sixty apartments, all equally splendid, he was stopped by the hands, 
and a large easy chair advanced of itself towards the chimney. And the hands, which he observed were extremely white and delicate, took off his wet clothes and supplied their place with the finest linen imaginable, and then added a commodious wrapping gown embroidered with the brightest gold, and all over enriched with pearls. The hands next brought him an elegant dressing table, and combed his hair so very gently that he scarcely felt their touch. They held before him a beautiful basin filled with perfumes for him to wash his face and hands, and afterwards took off the wrapping gown and dressed him in a suit of clothes of still greater splendor. When his dress was complete, they conducted him to an apartment he had not yet seen, and which also was magnificently furnished. There was in it a table, spread for repast, and everything upon it was of the purest gold adorned with jewels. The prince observed there were two covers set, and was wondering who was to be his companion, when his attention was suddenly caught by a small figure, not a foot high, which just then entered the room and advanced towards him. It had on a long black veil, and was supported by two cats, dressed in mourning, and with swords by their sides. They were followed by a numerous retinue of cats, some carrying cages full of rats and others mousetraps full of mice. The prince was at a loss what to think. A little figure now approached and throwing aside her veil, he beheld a most beautiful white cat. She seemed young and melancholy, and addressing herself to the prince, she said, Young prince, you are welcome. Your presence affords me the greatest pleasure. Madam, replied the prince, I would fain thank you for your generosity, nor can I help observing that you must be an extraordinary creature to possess with your present form a gift of speech in the magnificent palace I have seen. All this is very true, answered the beautiful cat, but Prince, I am not fond of talking. And least of all do I like the compliments. Let us therefore sit down to supper. The trunkless hands then placed the dishes on the table, and the prince and white cat seated themselves. The first dish was a pie made of young pigeons, and the next was a fricassee of the fattest mice. 
The view of the one made the prince almost afraid to taste the other, till the white cat, who had guessed his thoughts, assured him that there were certain dishes at the table in which there was not a morsel of either rat or mouse which had been dressed on purpose for him. Accordingly, he ate heartily of such as she recommended. When supper was over, the prince perceived that the white cat had a portrait set in gold, hanging to one of her feet. He begged her permission to look at it, when, to his astonishment, he saw the portrait of a handsome young man that exactly resembled himself. He thought there was something very extraordinary in all this. Yet, as the white cat sighed and looked very sorrowful, he did not venture to ask any questions. He conversed with her on different subjects and found her extremely well-versed in everything that was passing in the world. When night was far advanced, the white cat wished him a good night, and he was conducted by the hands to his bedchamber, which was different still from anything he had seen in the palace. Being hung with the wings of butterflies, mixed with the most curious feathers. His bed was of gauze, festooned with bunches of the gayest ribbons, and the looking glasses reached from the floor to the ceiling. The prince was undressed and put into the bed by the hands, without speaking a word. He, however, slept little, and in the morning, was awakened by a confused noise. The hands took him out of bed and put on him a handsome hunting jacket. He looked into the courtyard and perceived more than 500 cats busily employed in preparing for the field, for this was a day of festival. Presently, the white cat came into his apartment, and having politely inquired after his health, she invited him to partake of their amusement. The prince willingly accepted, mounted a wooden horse, which had been prepared for him, in which he was assured would gallop to admiration. The beautiful white cat mounted a monkey which made her look so fierce that all the rats and mice ran away in the utmost terror. Everything being ready, the horns sounded, and away they went. No hunting was ever more agreeable. The cats ran faster than the hares and the rabbits, and when they caught any, they were hunted in the presence of the white cat, and a thousand cunning tricks were played. Nor were the birds in safety, for the monkey made nothing of climbing up the trees with the white cat on his back to the nest of the young eagles, 
When the hunting was over, the whole retinue returned to the palace, and the white cat immediately exchanged her dragoon's cap for the veil and sat down to supper with the prince, who, being very hungry, ate heartily, and afterwards partook with her of the most delicious liqueurs, which being often repeated made him forget that he was to procure a little dog for the old king. He thought no longer of anything but of pleasing the sweet little creature who received him so courteously. Accordingly, every day was spent in new amusements. The prince had almost forgotten his country and relations, and sometimes even regretted that he was not a cat. So great was his affection for his mewing companions. Alas, said he to the white cat, how will it afflict me to leave you whom I love so much? Either make yourself a lady or make me a cat. She smiled at the prince's wish, but made him scarcely any reply. At length, the twelve-month was nearly expired. The white cat, who knew the very day when the prince was to reach his father's palace, reminded him that he had but three days longer to look for a perfect little dog. The prince, astonished at his own forgetfulness, began to afflict himself. When the cat told him not to be so sorrowful, since she would not only provide him with a little dog, but also with a wooden horse, which should convey him safely in less than twelve hours. Look here, said she, showing him an acorn. This contains what you desire. The prince put the acorn to his ear and heard the barking of a little dog. Transported with joy, he thanked the cat a thousand times, and the next day, bidding her tenderly adieu, he set out on his return. The prince arrived first at the place of rendezvous, and was soon joined by his brothers. They mutually embraced, and began to give an account of their success. When the youngest showed them only a little mongrel cur, telling them he thought it could not fail to please the king from its extraordinary beauty. The brothers trod on each other's toes under the table, as much to say, We have not much to fear from the sorry-looking animal. The next day, they went together to the palace. The dogs of the two elder princes were lying on cushions, and so curiously wrapped around with embroidered quilts 
that one would scarcely venture to touch them. The youngest produced his cur, dirty all over, and all wondered how the prince could hope to receive a crown for such a present. The king examined the two little dogs of the elder princes and declared that he thought them so equally beautiful that he knew not to which, with justice, he could give the preference. They accordingly began to dispute. When the youngest prince, taking his acorn from his pocket, soon ended their contention. For a little dog appeared, which could with ease go through the smallest ring, and was besides a miracle of beauty. The king could not possibly hesitate in declaring his satisfaction. Yet, as he was not more inclined than the year before to part with the crown, he could think of nothing more to his purpose than telling his sons that he was extremely obliged to them for the pains they had taken, and that since they had succeeded so well, he could not but wish they would make a second attempt. He therefore begged they would take another year for procuring him a piece of cambric so fine as to be drawn through the eye of a small needle. The three princes thought this very hard, yet they set out in obedience to the king's command. The two eldest took different roads, and the youngest remounted his wooden horse, and in a short time arrived at the palace of his beloved white cat, who received him with the greatest joy, while the trunkless hands helped him to dismount and provided him with immediate refreshments, after which the prince gave the white cat an account of the admiration which had been bestowed on the beautiful little dog, and informed her of his father's farther injunction. Make yourself perfectly easy, dear prince, said she. I have in my palace some cats that are perfectly clever in making such cambric as the king requires. So you have nothing to do but to give me the pleasure of your company while it is making, and I will procure you all the amusement possible. She accordingly ordered the most curious fireworks be played off in sight to the window of the apartment in which they were sitting, and nothing but festivity and rejoicing was heard throughout the palace for the prince's return. As the white cat continually gave proofs of an excellent understanding, the prince was by no means tired of her company. She talked with him of state affairs, of theaters, of fashions. In short, she was at a loss on no subject whatever, so that when the prince was alone, 
He had plenty of amusement in thinking how it could possibly be that a small white cat could be endowed with all the powers of human creatures. The twelve months in this manner again passed insensibly away. But the cat took care to remind the prince of his duty in proper time. For once, my prince, said she, I will have the pleasure of equipping you as suits your high rank. When looking into the courtyard, he saw a superb car ornamented all over with gold, silver, pearls, and diamonds, drawn by twelve horses as white as snow, and harnessed in the most sumptuous trappings. And behind the car, a thousand guards richly apparelled, were in waiting to attend the prince's person. She then presented him with a nut, you will find in it, said she, the piece of cambric I promised you. Do not break the shell till you are in the presence of the king, your father. Then, to prevent the acknowledgments which the prince was about to offer, she hastily bid him adieu. Nothing could exceed the speed with which the snow-white horses conveyed this fortunate prince to his father's palace, where his brothers had just arrived before him. They embraced each other and demanded an immediate audience of the king, who received them with the greatest kindness. The princes hastened to the place at the feet of his majesty the curious present he had required them to procure. The eldest produced a piece of cambric that was so extremely fine that his friends had no doubt of its passing the eye of a needle, which was now delivered to the king. Having been kept locked up in the custody of his majesty's treasurer all the time, everyone supposed he would certainly obtain the crown but when the king tried to draw it through the eye of the needle, it would not pass, though it failed but very little. Then came the second prince, who made as sure of obtaining the crown as his brother had done, but alas, with no better success. For though his piece of cambric was exquisitely fine, Yet, it could not be drawn through the eye of the needle. It was now the youngest prince's turn, who accordingly advanced, and, opening an elegant little box inlaid with jewels, he took out a walnut and cracked the shell, imagining he should immediately perceive his piece of cambric. But what was his astonishment to see nothing but a filbert? He did not, however, lose his hopes. He cracked the filbert, and it presented him with a cherry stone. 
the lords of the court, who had assembled to witness this extraordinary trial, could not, any more than the prince's brothers, refrain from laughing. To think he should be so silly as to claim with them the crown on no better pretensions. The prince, however, cracked the cherry stone, which was filled with a kernel. He divided it and found in the middle a grain of wheat and in that grain a millet seed. He was now absolutely confounded and could not help muttering between his teeth, Oh, white cat, white cat, thou hast deceived me. At this instant, he felt his hand scratched by the claw of a cat, upon which he again took courage, and opening the grain of millet seed, to the astonishment of all present, he drew forth a piece of cambric for a hundred yards long, and fine enough to be drawn with perfect ease through the eye of a needle. When the king found he had no pretext left for refusing the crown to his youngest son, he sighed deeply, and it was easy to be seen that he was sorry for the prince's success. My sons, said he, it is so gratifying to the heart of a father to receive proofs of his children's love and obedience that I cannot refuse myself the satisfaction of requiring of you one thing more. You must undertake another expedition, and whichever, by the end of a year, brings me the most beautiful lady, shall marry her and obtain my crown. So they again took leave of the king and of each other, and set out without delay. And in less than twelve hours, her young prince arrived in a splendid car at the palace of his dear white cat. Everything went on as before, till the end of another year. At length, only one day remained of the year when the white cat thus addressed him. Tomorrow, my prince, you must present yourself at the palace of your father and give him a proof of your obedience. It depends only on yourself to conduct the most beautiful princess ever yet beheld. For the time has come when the enchantment by which I am bound may be ended. You must cut off my head and tail, continued she, and throw them into the fire. I, said the prince hastily, I cut off your head and tail. You surely mean to try my affection, which believe me, beautiful cat, is truly yours. You mistake me, generous prince, 
said she, I do not doubt your regard, but if you wish to see me in any other form than that of a cat, you must consent to do as I desire. Then you will have done me a service I shall never be able to sufficiently repay. The prince's eyes filled with tears as she spoke, yet he considered himself obliged to undertake the dreadful task. And the cat, continuing to press him with greater eagerness, with a trembling hand, he drew a sword, cut off her head and tail, and threw them into the fire. No sooner was this done than the most beautiful lady his eyes had ever seen stood before him. And before he had sufficiently recovered from his surprise to speak to her, a long train of attendants, who, at the same moment as their mistress, were changed to their natural shapes, came to offer their congratulations to the queen and inquire her commands. She received them with the greatest kindness and ordering them to withdraw, she thus addressed the astonished prince. You have ended the enchantment. I need not add that I already love you more than my life. Let us, therefore, hasten to the palace of the king your father and obtain his approbation to our marriage. The prince and princess accordingly set out side by side in a car of still greater splendor than before and reached the palace just as the two brothers had arrived with two beautiful princesses. The king, hearing that each of his sons had succeeded in finding what he had required, again began to think of some new expedient to delay the time of his resigning the crown. But when the whole court were with the king assembled past judgment, the princess, who accompanied the youngest, perceiving his thoughts by his countenance, stepped majestically forward and thus addressed him. What pity that your majesty, who is so capable of governing, should think of resigning the crown. I am fortunate enough to have six kingdoms in my possession. Permit me to bestow one on each of the eldest princes and to enjoy the remaining four in the society of the youngest. And may it please your majesty Keep your own kingdom and make no decision concerning the beauty of three princesses who, without such a proof of your majesty's preference, will no doubt live happily together. The air resounded with the applauses of the assembly. The young prince and princess embraced the king and next, 
their brothers and sisters. The three weddings immediately took place, and the kingdoms were divided as the princess had proposed. <laughs> 